Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. As you know, this is a super fast podcast, and, and, and maybe today I may not have uh, 15 minutes may not be enough time for a tremendous uh, speaker or guest. Uh, welcome, uh, Chuck Blakeman. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm excited to be with you, Patrick. Uh, Chuck, when people go to your website, chuckblakeman.com, they can quickly see. I mean, you've, you're all over the place. You've done a TED Talk. Um, you're an Inc., CNN. Um, I mean, you're literally everywhere. But you also work specifically with dentists. So why don't you tell me, how did you get involved with working with dentists? Uh, very simply, uh, I, I, wrote a, I, wrote a, I wrote a book in 2010 about my first seven or eight businesses and how they, they uh, put me on a treadmill. And, and basically, I became a hostage to those businesses. So in my business right after that, I figured out how to build a business that I was free from that I could actually use as a permanent asset. So I, I wrote a book on that. And uh, somebody in the dental industry tweeted out a photo, or it's a Facebook. She put a put a photo of the book and an empty concourse at an airport, air, 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 air uh, at a uh, uh, at an empty concourse. And she said, "My plane left an hour and a half ago, and it's this book's fault. I didn't even know it left. That's how engrossed I was in this book." So it blew up. She was well known in dentistry, and I ended up talking at all the major conferences. And I had been looking at the time for a niche because I always want to make an impact in one place. So I was all over the map working with Google and all kinds of companies. And I much prefer working with dentists. I find we're a perfect marriage. I'm the wild-eyed entrepreneur and a lot of them have a much more stable view of the world and we're great for each other. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, that's a, a, fantastic, um, a fantastic story. And I can see how uh, people could certainly dive into that content and miss a flight. Um, so tell me, let's talk about problems. Let's talk about a problem that you often see practices, practice owners, dentists themselves have, um, you know, and, and things that people come to you for. Yeah. So it's on the business side of dentistry. The, the problems that I see and the opportunities I see are all on the business side of dentistry for me. And the one main problem they have is the same one I had. They are hostages of their practices. They built this practice with the intention that it would give them a great life. And two or three or four or five or six or eight years in, they wake up one morning and realize this thing owns me. I don't own it. Sure. And, and, and then you start feeling tired or you're already tired. Businesses, you know, the SBA says uh, 80% of businesses fail within 10 years. No, they don't. Business owners get tired. That's what really happens. And then, and then they stop paying attention to things and then things start to fail and then the business fails. But the reason it fails is because they made a business that they were not free from and they're hostages in the business. And the key thing here, Patrick, is we bought off on the industrial age uh, lie that taught us that if we just make a buttload of money, we'll be happy and free. Sure. Nothing could be farther from the truth. truth. I'm sure you see it all the time. Yeah, we do see it in our travels. And I'll, and I'll tell you too, and you know, you have experience in a variety of businesses. I understand that some things I think dentists think that, hey, um, you know, their problems are unique to them and not uh, yeah. all types of business owners, right? right. But, but I, I will say some things that are typically unique to dentist owners is the amount of debt that they have, yep. right? The, and, and the how long it took them to enter into the workspace where they were actually producing revenue 
um, producing an income instead of just running up that debt. So that that is a little bit different. So six, seven years into practice, like you mentioned before, maybe you even said eight years, you a lot of dentists still have a decent amount of debt going on top of that, you know, that day-to-day type of grind that you're talking about. Yes. Oh yeah. But there's always a way out of that stuff. To your point, we all think we're unique and we all think we have problems. And then we, we actually buy off on a mindset that keeps us trapped there. And the mindset would be, well, it's going to take me 15 or 20 years to pay this debt off. Who made that rule? Who made that rule? Nobody, except sure. you bought off on it because other people are doing it that way. The dean of a very prestigious, well, one of the top three dental schools in America read my book and she gave me the story. She, she uh, went into dentistry when she was 40, got $800,000 worth of debt. And by the time she was eight, 46, she had paid it all off. Yep. There are ways to do that. So we just don't have to be the rule. Let's be the exception. Sure. And, and paying that debt off that fast significantly reduces the amount of interest, therefore reducing the debt as well. Um, right. So, you know, oftentimes we ask uh, our guests to talk about uh, or to help practices who don't know they have a problem, identify that problem. I'm going to skip over that step today because I think a lot of practices know, right. They feel that weight. They feel that burden. So most people know if they're fitting into this category that you're talking about, this group that you're talking about. Um, so let's just jump into what are some steps that they can do today? You're feeling this lull, you're kind of beat up. What, do you, what can you do as soon as you hang up or as soon as you, you know, finish your commute from listening to this to, to make some changes? Yeah, the first thing is a simple, uh, simple mindset shift. We call it the shift from becoming, from being a, an income producer to a business owner. We have the seven stages of business ownership that we've laid out for people. They can see it on my website. They can also see it in my first book, Making Money is Killing Your Business. The seven stages of business ownership. Stage four is where most dentists get stuck. Stage four is where you are profitable. You're making a lot of money. But the problem with stage four is it's missing the other thing that will actually allow you to have freedom, and that is time. We bought the lie that if we if we work really hard and get a lot, buttload of money and buy a boat, well, we were really happy. Well, your wife's happy because she gets to go out on the boat, but you don't. Sure. So that's a stage four business owner, and we have to. And, and those are income producers. You know, you're an income producer when you when you say, unless I'm here, this thing will not make money. And we can talk more about that. Stage five is where you begin to make money when you are not there. That's the magic. And you can do that with other hygienists. You can do that with an assistant. You can do that with sleep apnea. There's a lot of things you can use to make money when you are not there, even if you just are are by yourself. So we've got to get the mindset of let's stop being an income producer and let's start being a business owner. And there's two questions that people can help themselves with to, to play what we call the business owners, or in this case, the practice owners game. The practice owner's game, the objective is this. How do I make more money in less time? That's the, that's the key mindset difference right there. Most of us have been taught, how do you make more money? You spend more time in the chair. No, no. No, let's do it different. Let's use the Richard, <clears throat> Richard Branson rule and let's figure out how to do this differently. So the objective is how, of, the, of the practice owner's game, how do you make more money in less time? Here's the two simple questions. Question number one, whatever you're doing, make a list of these uh, for a whole week. Sit down and make a practical list of everything you're doing and put a yes or no beside a yes or no column beside both of those and ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing right now the highest and best use of my time? 
And the first time you do that for a week, you'll be dismayed because 90 plus percent of the stuff is not the highest and best use of your time. So if that's true, then you go on to question number two. If this is not the highest and best use of my time, I said no, then question number two, how do I do this for the last time? And if you commit yourself to getting the answer to that question, it will change your life. It will change your practice. It will change your life. It's what I did to get myself, because I'm, I'm a slow learner, Patrick. It took me five or six businesses of being a hostage before I finally was fed up and said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to get free. And that was the key, was figuring out how do I do this? And it's not always, the answer isn't always give it to some other person. It could be buy a piece of software, write a process, stop doing it. You don't, you just don't need to do this. There's lots of questions, lots of answers to how do I do this for the last time? So that's the first practical thing people could do to get off the treadmill. And I'll just give you one quick testimonial from a guy, a dentist in, in Chicago, still working with him. Two years ago, I met, I will call him Dr. Green. And he was in his early 60s and everybody had told him you work your whole life and then you sell your practice and hopefully you make enough money to, to retire on. 83% of dentists have not saved enough money to retire. Dr. Green was in the same boat, but he was going to sell his practice because that's what you do. You're just tired and you quit. Right. We asked you know, ask him to think about playing the practice owner's game. Let's regenerate this thing. What if your business, what if your practice became a permanent asset rather than a permanent liability? And so we gave him that question and off we went, we gave him a few tools, the four building blocks and the seven stages. And two years later, instead of working five days a week, making 285 to 325,000, he's now making $400,000 take home and he's working two days a week. And we're trying to convince him to go down to one. And he says, this is fantastic. I really didn't want to retire. I just wanted to work, you know, one or two days a week, and I can do that for the next 10 or 15 years. He now owns a permanent asset instead of a permanent liability. The first thing people have to do is believe that they can do this. And he was a tough sell. Uh, you know, he had spent 60 years believing that he couldn't, couldn't do anything that didn't come through his own hands. And now he's got a really cool thing going. And by the way, he's got people coming out of the woodwork asking him to sell the practice. You know why? Because it's actually a real, it's, it's a real asset now. Sure. It doesn't depend on him. The, the, the practice that is worth the most is the one you won't want to sell. Sure. I've got to imagine, I, and I do think that p- people think the escape route oftentimes is selling their practice. And for some, maybe it is, right? And that's a, a great way to go. But I think others may be a little, uh, may misunderstand there's no more cash flow, right? So once you sell that practice, yeah. where's if the cash flow? How are you going to generate income? If you're making $300,000 a year and you sell your practice for $3 million, well, you got 10 years worth of income, except you put 40 to 30 plus percent of that to the IRS. Right. So you got seven years. And then what do you do? Right. I can't tell you how many dentists I've talked to who said shoulda, coulda, woulda. I, I talked to a guy, I spoke at a conference, virtual conference last week, and this guy emailed me, dentist, 38 years old. He said, I'm going into dental consulting, and I was just going to sell my practice and hope I could make it. And his, the light one, I says, I never, I can, I can keep my practice, build it so it serves me, go into consulting, and, and have this permanent asset. Sure. Makes sense to me. So what's the difference, do you think, between... What's ultimately, what is the, what is the common denominator? What is the key factor between dentists who think about making this happen and those that actually do? Well, I give you the key difference because that's more important. The key difference is what we call a bad case of the nobodies. Nobody's as good. Nobody's as experienced. Nobody's as invested. Nobody's as knowledgeable. Nobody says, I can't find anybody who's as good as I am. Uh, that's self-talk that just needs to go away because 
I'm sorry. No, no matter what you do, there's somebody else out there who's better than you. Michelangelo, or not Michelangelo, but Leonardo da Vinci had somebody else paint the Mona Lisa. People don't know this. There's a second Mona Lisa in the Prado Museum in Spain. It's been there for 500 years, Patrick, and people thought that, that uh, uh, da Vinci painted it. It was a guy sitting right beside da Vinci, painting as he painted, stroke for stroke, that fooled the people for 500 years. Nothing a dentist is doing hard, is harder than painting the Mona Lisa. Go find somebody else who's not uh, as good as you, but better than you. It's the mini-me principle, you know, from the old Austin Powers movies. Don't go look for mini-me, look for maxi-me. They're out there. So it's a mindset that I can't give this. I have to manage the practice. I have to do this. I have to do that. Who, who made those rules? The people who are free are the ones who have learned how to train other people to do that. And that's part of the process. We can teach them how to stop managing. Great little mantra. Managers tell, leaders ask. What if you ask other people how to get this done? You'd be, you'd be in better shape. So that's, a, that's the biggest difference. That's the one hiccup right there is if you think that there is nobody as good as you, as Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a lot of wisdom there. Let's give us some more wisdom here. You're, you're obviously an expert. You're a consultant. You're a coach, right? You help practices do this. You help people do this um, and have for quite some time. What do, tell our audience, what do they look for? And, and, and let me just back up a little bit. You will, very, you will seldom find anyone with a great deal of success that doesn't have a mentor or a coach, right? Someone, someone coaching them, leading them, helping them, holding them accountable. So how do they, tell, me, tell our audience, how do they find someone? How do they find someone who's going to help them take these steps and, and really dive in? Yeah, well, they have, to, they have to find somebody. If they find, if they see somebody who has gotten where they want to go, <laughs> ask them to mentor you. People love to give back that way. Sure. Uh, and then there's people like me that I'm not the only guy out here who can figure this stuff out. There are a lot of people in dental consulting who are really good at helping people get off the treadmill. Find one of them. I, I made this mistake. I'm a John Wade recovering rugged individualist. And I, my golf game, I spent 20 years golfing at like a 15 to an 18 handicap. And then I got a coach. Yep. And in two years, I went to a 1.9. Nice. It cost me money to get the coach. It was so worth it. I can't imagine how much money and time I saved on, on uh, uh, driving range balls and other nonsense. So we just got to understand that the, the rugged individualist is dead. Yeah. And I see, I, I love the golf analogy. I, I've, I play and I've spent a lot of money on, on coaches over the years. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's worth every penny, but uh, I will tell you that I go to a range and I'll see people getting really good at some really bad golf strings, right? They're practicing, they're practicing, they're practicing, getting really bad. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, so per, imperfect practice makes imp makes permanent imperfect. Yeah. yeah. Chuck, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm going to give you the last minute here. First of all, I want to tell our audience once again, check out the website, so much content, so much information that they can find on there. It's chuckblakeman.com. Chuck, why don't you leave our audience with some more wisdom here? Yeah. One thing, get a big why. Figure out why you're doing this. It's, one, it's the first of the four building blocks that we've identified that make people successful in dentistry. Why in the world are you doing this? It is not to pay your mortgage. People who try to make money make very little of it. People who have a re reason to be in business that's bigger than that make a lot more money. So we need a big why. And a big why is very simply something you can never check off as complete. What are the things that you want to do the rest of your life that you can never check off as complete? Use your practice to build that ideal lifestyle and you'll take off. Yeah, that's awesome. Chuck, thank you so much. We appreciate you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Patrick. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. 
Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.